Good day, Queen. This is Coach Ivy welcoming you to my Becoming the Crown podcast, the podcast where we talk about how to wear the crown, own the crown, and become the crown. In today's episode, we talk about attachment styles with my special guest, dating and relationship coach, Flora Ong. She specializes in love and relationships going the second time around. All right, I'm excited to dive into this powerful conversation. Everybody's talking about love languages, but nobody talks about attachment styles. This is the conversation you want to be in. So stick around for the end of the story. And now, time to talk to the crown. All right. Hello, 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 everyone. And welcome to this edition of Coach IVT and me. And I am very delighted to have my special guest here, Miss Flora Ong tonight. Am I saying your name correctly? Perfect. Yes. Um, she is a dating coach and she is going to be talking to us tonight. I'm delighted. Um, one of the things we're going to be talking about is attachment styles, which I'm delighted to take a deep dive into because I've heard so much about this and don't know much about it. So I'm excited to hear about that. But before we do that, I want Miss Flora to introduce herself and tell us a little bit about her background and how you became a dating coach and we will take it from there. So thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Um, I really appreciate it. My background, uh, ah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got divorced about five plus years ago um, after a 14-year marriage and two kids, and uh, I had never seen a dating app in my life, wow. and although I had heard about them from friends and was always like a little jealous, you know, that like it seemed like a lot of fun, and I got on the apps and I had, you know, at first it was kind of overwhelming and a load of fun and a lot of exploration and all this stuff. And um, I also noticed after a while, like in having a lot of fun that, you know, nothing was really sticking. Mm. Um, and then I started to wonder why. And the more that I went down that rabbit hole, the closer it led me to what I do now. Um, yeah, I struggled a lot, you know, in that, like, after post-divorce dating situation, I had a toxic relationships, I was going after unavailable people, I was, you know, doing all, you know, all the things that, um, uh, you know, I say a lot, like, I was like a 16 year old, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, falling in love, like, over and over and over again, and not understanding why there was no reciprocation. Um, but I was 40. 40 years old, give or take. And I had two kids and I was not 16. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was, uh, but you know, it's what was very glaring about it was you feel like you're supposed to know, mm -hmm. right? You're like, I'm an adult now. And, you know, I have children and, you know, this means that I should know how to do this basic thing, but it's not the same game anymore. And it's, um, it's not, yeah, it's a very different experience than when, you know, when you're young. So, um, yeah. You know, it's interesting you should say that because one of the things I noticed is at least when I was 16, I don't know about when you were 16, it was so much more fun. I, I feel like there's a heaviness about it. And maybe that's, you know, because of respectively, like my, my background as being mm -hmm. a divorced person, I think as we age, there's a seriousness in it that wasn't there when you were 16. Well, yeah. And it, it makes it makes it really heavy. And so I don't think we enjoy the process very much at all. Yeah. I feel like it's more of a means to an end. And I think that's part of the problem. And uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, I think that, you know, what happens is the older you get, the more experiences you have, the more hurt you have, Mm -hmm. the more pain you've been through, the more you're trying to protect yourself Mm -hmm. from getting hurt again. And so, you know, it either comes with the, oh, I have to do this again, Mm -hmm. you know, here we go again, kind of thing. And, you know, you kind of like have this feeling you're jaded, you hate everybody, nobody's good enough, nobody's ever going to be good enough, that kind of thing which is all really a subconscious protecting mechanism, you know, because you don't want to get hurt again. And, or you're like clingy, rushing in, running into anything, hoping that something will stick, you know, because you are so afraid to be alone um, that, you know, you're willing to just take on anything, but things aren't sticking because you're not really like in your authentic self, let's say, you know. Right, right. So how did, what, it, what brought you to the dating coaching? Like when you were, you're, you're, you're looking at your life, you're going, I'm divorced, you're dating. This doesn't feel like I'm 16 anymore. It's more serious, more heavy. And I want a better, you know, obviously I want better choices. What kind of got you from there to being a dating coach? Um, well, I think, you know, I, what got me there? Um, okay. So I was a, I studied to be a health and life coach actually. Um, so that's what my certification is in. And, uh, I was doing that, but the dating thing was much more of a pressing like issue for me. Um, and as time progressed and as my dating experience progressed and as I, you know, learned more, and then, um, I I actually became a matchmaker Mm. Um, in this process, I kind of, I, I switched careers. Um, and when I switched careers, I became a matchmaker, uh, and started to talk to people daily about dating, right. Everything kind of like fell into place. It all kinds of made sense that I had to switch my niche into, uh, becoming a dating and relationship coach. So in matchmaking, I'm presuming you, and I, I don't know, but you talk to both men and women, you help men and women vet men and women, right? So you get exactly uniquely both sides of the coin. I'd love to know what, I think we have more in common men and women that is, than we think we do. (laughs) But, but, you know, I I think there are differences we can appreciate, but I would love to hear from you, like what, what was the biggest um, challenge for women? And then what was the biggest challenge for, for men? In dating? In dating, like, like really like engaging the opposite sex. So when they um, you for in, in whichever capacity, dating or matchmaking, which really there's um there's a component of, I'm sorry, for coaching or matchmaking. And uh-huh. then I'm sure there's a huge component of coaching in matchmaking built into it. Or I, I presume. Is yeah. There? yeah. 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 I mean, it's all, you know, um, I think that a lot of times people are just overall, um, and I, I'm trying to think like specifically men and women, and maybe I'll, I'll get there in a minute, but I just think overall people are afraid um, to be vulnerable, mm. to say what they want and to express themselves. And sometimes they don't even know what they want, right? Mm. Um, or they don't even know what they're feeling. They don't understand mm. what they're feeling. They think they do because they've been taught that this feeling means something or they've assigned a certain meaning to what they're feeling. But in reality, that's not what's going on at all. And so you, you, people end up reacting to their feelings and whether that's, you know, 
anger, frustration, ghosting, you know, whatever your reaction is, but it's not necessarily uh, accurate to what is happening in the situation. So can you give me an example of that? So say more about that. So, you know, um, somebody doesn't call you back or doesn't text back, Mm -hmm. right? Um, you're way, you know, you're kind of expecting maybe to go on a date or you've chatted with this person a couple of times, you're expecting them to get back to you. They haven't gotten back to you in a time that like feels comfortable for you. You start getting nervous. You start thinking like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? And then you are like, forget it. If they're not going to, you know, if they're not going to get back to me when I want them, I'm blocking them. You know, I don't, I don't need to deal with this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you block them and then that thing never goes anywhere. Right. Or especially like even simpler on dating apps, people are chatting all the time. Conversations fall off all the time, right? Um, It's the most like normal thing in the world. Well, I have a friend right now that's like texting me and telling me, you know, this guy we were supposed to meet and then I gave him my phone number and then he he, he disappeared from the app. Like he deleted Mm -hmm. his account, you know? And she's sitting here for, like two days now, we're having a conversation about why did he delete? What happened? Like, this is not, you know, this is so not important, right? But here she, here we, we get into our own heads about these little details. And we assign meaning to these things that really we have no explanation for, and there is no meaning necessarily behind it, right? Right he didn't disappear from the app because he doesn't like you. He asked for your phone number, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> he disappeared from the app. God knows why. You know? Right. Knows? right, right, right. <laughs> right, but for, you know, you know, for uh, us to be sitting there, us as people in general, to be sitting there questioning, wondering, making it mean something about ourselves, then losing confidence in the next conversation that we have. And then, you know, and then the, it goes on and on and on, right? Rather mm-hmm. than, seeing it for what it is, which is just this, you know, meaningless thing that kind of happened. And, and that's a tough one for many women when there's a pattern. So you're right. It is like, if a guy ghosts you, he ghosts you. I mean, I've ghosted guys, right? We, right. you know, I, when, when I, I do the same thing. So I'm driving along, somebody cuts me off. Three minutes later, I cut somebody else off, not because I'm deliberately cutting them off. I missed my turn. I forgot. I have to get over. It's it's really not about them. It's about what I'm trying to accomplish in the moment. And I cut. So a lot of times when people do that, I'll just say, this person cut you off. And I'm sure in your life, you've cut many people off, Ivy. Like, don't make this about, you know, I'll, you know, mm-hmm. you, you get road rage and you give me like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, they cut you off. I'm like, yeah. And so what? I'm sure you, me, him, her, whoever has cut people right. off. And we do it all the time. And it's not about you. It's about right. they're late. Their kids are yelling. Their boss just demanded. Their phone is chiming. They got other stuff going on. It's not about me. No. That being said, if if I'm I'm a person that is in this is my fifth accident where I've been sideswiped. In my mind, I'm going, what is it about me? Right, right, right. <laughs> that has people want to sideswipe their car. Why do they do that to me? And so I I think generally. And especially when you look at online dating, because it's a numbers game, uh-huh. you've got a hundred guys, you got to figure X percent are going to ghost, X percent are going to get your number and never call, X percent you're going to do this and this again. 
if you look in totality, it's probably not a big deal. But I know for some women, we get into this and we've been told this and it's not untrue. I'm a constant in my experience. Why is my experience this way? Right. We make up a story about why that is. And then mm-hmm. third guy, right? Change his name, mm-hmm. third guy. Mm-hmm. How do we get away from that to get to what you said? Like, it is really, he just isn't the one. Like, and it, there right. doesn't be any other explanation than that, but yeah. we're really caught up in that. Yeah. It's, it defines us in yeah. some way. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, where you have to worry about like the meaning that you assign to things, right? And our stories that we create um, over things. But um, what you're alluding to actually is exactly what, you know, we are here to talk about, which is attachment styles, right? So I I got um, there and I wasn't even trying to get there. I'm glad, I'm glad. glad. Yeah, yeah. Let's go there. Let's talk about styles. Um, It's the thing is, you know, that there's some well, you know that there's a subconscious issue anytime you are experiencing a pattern, a repeated pattern in something that's going mm-hmm. on in your life. So there's, you know, definitely something subconscious in your attachment style kind of dictates your needs and coping mechanisms in a relationship, right? And so um, the, your attachment style is, is you your attachment style is decided by how your parents emotionally or your caretakers, whoever raised you, emotionally attuned to you when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. So what is emotional attunement? It means that they helped you to, um, uh, they allowed you to have emotions. They supported your emotions. Mm-hmm. They helped you process your emotions and they helped you repair your emotions, right? Wow. <laughs> and you're like, who's, whose parents did that? <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like, you should get that like 101, like in college or something, or yeah. you, you, instead of Lamaze class, the it's a waste of my yeah, time, exactly. right? I would rather have spent an hour talking about, about this than that. Yeah. That is yeah. super amazing. Like an, an in-depth, very thorough, thorough understanding of that. So if that's the case and you know, I'm, I, I think we can all say there's probably gaps and all <laughs> a few things that, you know, mom and dad didn't do exactly, or, you know, caregivers right. didn't do exactly well. So we're then left with a style of coping or interacting with yeah. other human beings that is residual from those, those childhood experiences. Exactly. Exactly. And, it's the, and, it's the, you it's how you learn to attach to people and it's how you learn to attach to in relationship. And so what the reason it comes up most in love relationships is because that's the most comparable to your parental relationships. Right. Mm. Um, I think uh, I'm going to butcher this quote and I I have it somewhere, but um, Elsa, Oh my God. And now I'm forgetting her name. Sorry. I've been on vacation for three weeks. So my brain is (laughs) really famous, really wonderful um, relationship guru woman. Why can't I remember her name? By the end of this call, I'll remember. But she said something like, if you um, tell me what your relationship is like, I'll tell you what your relationship with your parents is like. Oh, okay. Was like, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, essentially, it's just, you know, it's a mapping for your future relationships um yeah so once you get the 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 map can Mm -hmm. you change the map adapt the map alter the map yeah map like for this is it amen you're just (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes. Um, and you will probably always have the certain characteristics of your attachment style. And we can talk about the, there's four attachment styles. We can talk about them, but mm -hmm. you will probably have, until you're in a very secure long-term relationship, mm -hmm. you will probably have, um, you know, feelings and experience your attachment style um, until, until you're in a really healthy long-term relationship, more than likely. So that's kind of an oxymoron, right? I have to, I have to get in a relationship to develop a different relationship style like not exactly so you what happens is you can there it's called earn secure um so i should probably tell you what the attachment styles are so oh, that like please, there's please, um, lightness <laughs> that we can get a understanding of how to get to the good place but so the the good place let's say is secure um so a secure attachment style means your parents did properly attune to you emotionally. They showed you, you know, uh, they helped you to repair your emotions. They helped you to process and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so you grow up with a healthy relationship to relationships, right? You think people on the whole are good. Mm. You, um, you're comfortable setting boundaries because you don't think that setting a boundary is going to ruin the relationship. Mm -hmm. You don't think it's going to push anybody away because you, you've had that modeling in childhood, right? Mm -hmm. You um, are comfortable expressing your emotions because you're, again, you're not, you don't feel like it's too much because right. nobody ever told you, oh, it's too much when you say, I care about you, or I really like you, or I think you're great, right? Things that a lot of people are afraid to say out loud, right? Even though they feel that way. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're, you also have a healthy uh, relationship with rejection, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't take rejection to mean something about you. You realize that rejection means that, oh, well, um, you know, this wasn't the right match. This wasn't the right relationship. It's unfortunate. I think you're a great person, but I'm going to go move on and, you know, live my life. You know, I always say um, rejection is the universe's protection. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. But we don't always see it that way. Right. Like oh, we feel don't. like it. I'm bad. There's something wrong with me that this person didn't want to be with me. Kind it of. feels personal. It feels yeah. that way. Even when forget relationships, you don't get accepted to the school you want. You don't right. get the job. You don't get the promotion. It feels right. like I'm not being chosen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's a big, that's a big word in this attachment style conversation, like not feeling um, chosen because yeah, ultimately, right. We all want to feel accepted. We all want to feel chosen. We all want to feel a part of something and especially um, in relationship, right. Because um, it's the most natural and normal thing in the world to want to be in relationship. Of course, of course. Um, and then, okay, so then the, the, there's three insecure attachment styles. Mm -hmm. um, the first one is the anxious attachment style. Um, and this is in no particular order, by the way, it's just, um, so the anxious attachment style. With anxious attachment, what happened in childhood was that there was an inconsistent um, care, uh, parenting or care, right? So sometimes your parents were available and they were great and they were there for you. And then sometimes, they weren't available. Mm -hmm. And because sometimes they weren't available, you uh, never knew when they were coming back. Because mind you, this all happened mm -hmm. between the ages of zero and three. Okay. 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 So um, you never, at, at three years old, you have no sense of time, right? So if your mm -hmm. parent says, oh, I'll be back at eight, 
you know, for right. you at three years old from two to eight, it's like a lifetime, right? right. You have no right. idea whether they're coming back or when they're coming back. And so uh, it creates this desperation and this waiting mm -hmm. and this like, are you ever coming back? Will you, you know, will I ever see you again? Like I, you know, and this nervousness and this anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's how anxious attachment is developed. And as an adult, it's your kind of typical um, person that is really, uh, I don't want to assign like a gender to it, right? Because usually right, it's right. female, but males experience this just as much um, where, you know, you kind of fall in love too quickly, right? Uh, okay. You romanticize very early on in the relationship. Like you go on two dates and you're like, oh my God, he's so great. He's so great. She's so great. Oh my God. Like I'm in love. This is the guy. Like whether you are this person or you have friends that are like this, we all well, you know. dated this person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dated this person <laughs> yourself where they're right. like this guy is professing his undying love for me it's date number two and he's yeah china patterns he's right yeah right so um so these people need a lot of validation and a lot of reassurance in relationship in general um i'm anxiously attached by the way <laughs> um and we get, we'll talk about getting towards secure and I'll, I'll take you through that process later. But, uh, and so, yeah, there's like a lot of reassurance that's needed. There's a lack of self-worth at the bottom of it is really what the issue is because of that um, inconsistency in childhood. You are always worried about where your parent is. So you forget to focus on yourself. Right. Right. Like not even forget, but you just don't, your mind is over external. Right. So you're right. always looking for external validation, even as an adult. And um, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, you know, my relationships with my family or my relationships are the number one, most important thing to me, you know, and they're very proud of it. And they think that that makes them like, you know, this really like um, great person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and forgetting that they exist too, and that they're important too, and are their needs being met and are, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so that's anxious attachment. And then you have uh, avoidant attachment style, which is, your um, typical kinds of playboy, playgirl, they never settle down um, type of person. Now, this person in childhood recognized very early on that their parents would never meet their needs for mm -hmm. attention. And so for whatever reason, the parent wasn't available. Maybe the parent was avoidant themselves and didn't know how to properly show love or handle emotion in general. Um, and they were on the opposite end of that, their parents could have been very overwhelming, like almost like a helicopter parent, you know, where right. the child was like, whoa, too much, you know, right. like this is like too much. So um, the child then uh, finds kinds of comfort in like a blankie, let's say, or things mm -hmm. or toys or video games, you know, as they get older and stuff. And they disassociate the need for uh, not, I don't want to say human connection because that's not true, but they, they really uh, grow up feeling like I've never needed anyone mm -hmm. and I don't want anyone to need me. Right. So mm -hmm. as soon as anybody in relationship, like, you know, a month in, whatever, two months in, it's like, oh, let's take this to the next level. They're like, 
no, right, <laughs> right. thanks. Like I, I will not be responsible for you and I don't expect you to be responsible for me. So, you know, like, no, that's not going to happen kind of thing. Yeah. And they're very overwhelmed by, um, you know, by commitment and by intimacy and um, to the point where all of this, you know, and we can talk about as much as we can, but like all of this lives in your body and in your nervous system, right? That's why the anxiety, it's like a real thing. It's like in your nervous system, right? And with the avoidant, um, they go into a freeze mode, right? So they shut down. Like they're the, the types that are more likely to ghost, not to say that all avoidance are ghosters, but more than likely to ghost, they do not like confrontation and they, um, yeah, they have like a fear of intimacy, you know, overall. That makes perfect sense. Right. They would feel overwhelmed by the whole, just by someone being, even for them sounds like like if, being attentive, but attentive beyond what they were used to or or could adapt to or or could even set boundaries around. It gets right. too much for them and that has them pull back. Right, exactly. It has them um, shut down. Mm-hmm. And then the last uh, attachment style is the fearful avoidant. Um, uh, also, uh, there's a lot of names for all attachment styles. So if you look them up, it might get a little confusing because every every attachment style has like three or four names for whatever reason. But um, nevertheless, <laughs> <laughs> um, fearful avoidant is uh, a mix of actually both anxious and avoidant. Mm-hmm. And what happens is uh, these are this is a small percentage of the population. Mm-hmm. And more than likely, these people, kids were abused in mm-hmm. childhood in some real serious way, like what sexual, mental, emotional, um, physical. And they learned that uh, the people that love them also hurt them. Mm, yeah. Yeah. What a mixed message that is. Yeah. So when they go out into the world seeking relationship, they're very hot and cold, right? So they like really want relationship because of course they want love. We all want love. Even the avoidance who seem like they don't, they also want love. But um, so they'll come off anxious possibly early on in the beginning, but then Mm -hmm. as soon as the other person comes close to them, they'll pull away because they're afraid of getting hurt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so how do you move from, so there's only three attachment styles? Four. So the fourth is the secure one. Secure one. Okay. okay. Yeah. So is the secure one like the ideal one you want to move yeah. towards? Like, and I don't want to say it like that. Well, so a lot of times style is style. There's not a better one. It's just when you know who you are, you, you know, then a little bit about what you need to look for. What's your compliment? What compliments right. you're looking for? Exactly. So I don't want to make it seem like that, but is there a goal? Is, is one, is, is one more, I don't know. I don't even want to say yeah. that. The, the ideal, <laughs> you're like, it's a bad word. Because people, because people will go around going, I want to be this one. It's better. Like, you know, and I, it's not better. It just is. It's you not, know. it's not because it's like, I'm anxious. I've had an avoidant um, friend be like, oh, I wish I was anxious. You know, this being right. avoided is horrible. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you don't want to be anxious. I want to be avoided, you know? So right. it's right. like the grass is always greener kind of thing. But um the yeah secure secure is ideal right because you are it the secure person does not have the um the physical reactions mm-hmm. in conflict as so much as the others do you mm-hmm. know they are able to stay calm in 
you know, kinds of in argument or in conflict resolution, because again, they learned that in childhood and it was modeled to them while our nervous system, the insecure attachment style that goes like all over the place um, when there is something to deal with, some sort of conflict, some sort of discomfort, right? It's not just like, oh, well, hmm, let's resolve this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to die or, you know, that's I can't kind of believe they said life. that about me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it really hits. And that's, that's the, the trick of this whole thing. It's, we have a reaction and we think with our head, like, this is what happened, mm. but it has nothing to do with what our head and what our brain is telling us. It's all what's happening in the body. Mm. Right? That's actually really, really key. Cause yeah. I, I, I know, you know, I'll speak for myself. Uh-huh. I, I often will say, well, you're really heady about this. Like it's right. like, you're all up in here uh-huh. and I can feel myself spinning for lack of a better term yeah, like yeah. like it's, like it's it, there's there's random thoughts they're not going anywhere and it's not resolving anything right. and yet i'm ignoring the discomfort that's below the neck because and that's where the spinning is coming from i'm just trying to process what's happening down here up here and it's a, it's disconnecting and i'll be like god you're so heady that's that you're all up in here like why don't you go sit somewhere my grandfather has this great saying some of the people out there are probably heard me say my grandfather would say go make yourself even um and i you know you don't get it as a kid but now i'm yeah. like i'll tell myself that now you need to go make yourself even like yeah. you're really not connected to like what is it you're feeling like be with that don't label it just sit with it sit in the soup of it let it happen and get out of your head because you're yeah. really like in your head and it's actually driving you bananas yeah <laughs> no it's it's beautiful that you're saying that and it's all very accurate you know mm-hmm. like the first and it's you know it goes back to that old saying like don't react when you're angry or don't do anything when you're angry, right? Like it, it is really not because um, it's because you can't make a, a conscious, like grounded decision right. when your uh, emotions are activated. It's just not possible. You know, you're not going to make a decision that is going to be thoughtful and um, you know, and make a lot of sense, you know, you'll, you're going to do those things that you're like, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't send that text, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> all those, like, I re- shit, did I do, did I send that? <laughs> you make me laugh. My favorite, is it, is it Leslie? Oh my God. I can't think of her name, Leslie Jones. And she has this whole skit. It's called time machine, her uh-huh. stand up. And she does this whole thing about texting she goes i don't know why they invented texting like it is my nemesis in dating it's probably why i'm still single because mm-hmm. i'll be like i can't believe that you know your mother is this that and the other and then she goes i can't believe i said that about <laughs> Gladys is the nicest person in the world she was like because when i and, and some of it may be based on her real life but the gist of it was when i feel something uh-huh. i text something and it never goes well for me yeah, and it's yeah. probably the worst invention. She was joking about it. Uh-huh, right. We're dating because uh-huh. we need to have distance between what we're thinking and feeling in the moment <laughs> and sending it off to the person. But it's so real time, and then they don't yeah. they don't answer, and then we answer it for them because we've got that story, like you were saying earlier. Yeah, like, yeah. How come you're not answering my text? I think <laughs> Kevin Hart says that his some joke about him, uh-huh. his wife, or somebody texting him, and he had fallen asleep or passed out at his friend's uh-huh. house. Uh-huh. So he wakes up to something like 21 text messages. 
He goes, but she's having a conversation with herself about what I've done and I haven't done anything. Oh, you're not going to text me back. So this is what we're doing now, right? <laughs> he goes, answering her every text, she's answering herself. Her own questions. Yeah. Exactly. He goes, it was, it was just bad. It was, you know, and so we, we, we joke about it, but uh -huh. it's, it's very, it's very true. We, we yeah. get into, we don't, we, we have a reaction and then we just kind of put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, yeah. those are, those are the things that you need to learn to work with, right? Like anytime yeah. you're having a reaction, anytime you're upset um, about, anything really that is to your point like get yourself even right like yeah. to your grandfather yeah. go make like, yourself hey, even go make yourself even yeah like first chill out then let's figure out what to do absolutely absolutely yeah. or even i'm sure people do this for work they may not do it as much in their dating life but like write the email just don't send it like if you need to get it out you can write the sometimes i write text yes. and notes and then leave it uh -huh. <laughs> i need yeah, to write yeah. it because I want yeah. my thoughts and then I don't, but, and I don't even put it under their name in the text. Cause I might hit send accidentally. And then that creates by accident, but I <laughs> put it in there and then I, I go back usually and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad I didn't send that. What an idiot. Every what? time I've never once looked back at one of those notes oh. and thought to myself, Oh, I should have sent yeah, that. That was spot <laughs> on. You were so yeah. right. I've never, I've never had that happen either. Never. Not one. Yeah. Funny, that's actually the first time I've had that recognition. So thank you for <laughs> reminding me. Because <laughs> I do, I have a load of them from like, you know, these last five years of me like dating and, you know, wanting to send these texts and sometimes sending, sometimes not. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm usually pretty good. About, and I guess uh -huh. and it might be from my own background was in HR. And so uh -huh. I, in my mind, I'm like, everything's discoverable. <laughs> And so I'm like, what do you, what, what do you want them to discover about, think about this because it's me, it's meaningful. So what right. is it that you want them to discover? And then I'm like, well, just write it. Cause you, you clearly you're upset and you need to get it out. Then go make yourself even if you really feel that strongly about it tomorrow, then it's something that's important. Then, yeah. you, you go ahead and send it. I've, exactly. you're right. I've never ended up sending the original text. I've right. amended it. I've cut it in half. I've edited it. I might even send it to somebody to review for me, but I've never sent the original text ever. Um, I hate to have to do this, but my doorbell is ringing. Can oh, I sure, take it. two seconds? I'm sure. so sorry. I heard a beep. I was like, uh-oh, I hope we're not running out of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quick, two seconds, sorry. Sure, 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 sure. So thank you all for tuning in while she goes to, to check her, her doorbell. For those of you that are tuning in, um, if you have questions to ask, drop them in the comment section. I will be sure to ask her these questions as we move forward. Um, and certainly if you have questions after the fact, please drop them in the comments and we'll make sure. All right. Sorry about that. No, totally okay. We all set, you all set? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. So how do you then build the bridge from your current attachment style to where you want to be or discover your, your compliment? I guess that's part two, but we'll save that for a second because my next one is about how do you get <laughs> to, to, to date, but how do you build a bridge to from where you are to, to growing yourself um, to a stronger so, version of that? Um, the different attachment styles require slightly different, you know, uh, focuses, let's say because they're so different, right? You have the um, avoidant that has certain, needs space, right? And needs um, 
I mean, basically needs space. That's their big thing, right? And then you have the anxious person who needs a lot of attention mm -hmm. and who has like being alone. Mm -hmm. And so they need slightly different, um, uh, slightly different things. They also have different coping mechanisms of, of the way that they deal with stuff, right? The anxious person goes into their fight or flight mode, nervous mm -hmm. system anxiety, mm -hmm. and the avoidant person goes into the freeze mode, right? Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately there's a lot of nervous system work that has to happen. Um, and so that's Let's like the about beginning. That. Like explain nervous system work. That's, I haven't heard it language that way. So share with us about that. So it's basically like, uh, you know, any kinds of body work. So it just kind of depends what works for you. You know, is it exercise? Is it meditation? Is it, um, there's, you know, lots of different therapies, right? There's EMDR, there's NLP, which, um, which also works for this as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's anything like kind of that's body focused and subconscious focused, right? What that is relevant for all of them is that the work is subconscious and not conscious talk therapy, right? Because that conscious talk therapy that we, we do while it's very helpful and it's not, you know, um, not to invalidate it in any way, it doesn't really hit the problem because I knew what my problems were. I talked about them. I wrote them down. I was, I'm writing a book, right? Like I was writing a book this whole, the whole way through. Like I knew everything that was wrong. I was setting the rules to dating, yet I was still continuing to make the same mistakes mm. over and over again. Because subconsciously, if, you're, if your subconscious isn't up to par with your thoughts, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how clearly you can think about something, mm. you know? So is that what, what the goal is, is to get your subconscious to marry with your, your conscious thought? Because you're right. If you're thinking, I, we all know, and weight loss is always a good one. That's, I always food. use that. Yeah. We, we need to eat more fruits and uh -huh. vegetables. Right. But here it is, you know, you, you know, I'll even speak for myself. I had, I just came from vacation, but I had also leftovers and I had like a, some bunt cake and I'm snacking on this bunt cake. And the whole time I'm like, I really... I'm not even sure if I wanted it. So I stopped eating it actually, which was a good mm -hmm. catch, but I don't know why mm -hmm. I picked it up in the first place. I guess just to finish it off more, more subconscious. You always clean your plate. You don't waste food, uh, blah, 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 blah. We've all been down there. Right. And right. It's such so, a yeah. Comforting, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's comforting. I just finished. I'm, I'm yeah. sort of you know, tired. You come home, you got to do a lot of laundry. Right. And all that. So all that's going on in the background. Uh -huh. Meanwhile, right you know, half of a half of a bunt cake, you know, a third of a bunt cake, you know, slice yeah. of bunt cake later, you're like, I don't even want this, right? Because right. you're right. On, on autopilot. autopilot and it, yeah. and it's not that I don't know that, and I'm not, a, and you, anybody that knows me, they know me on my channel, like I, I'm a sweet hound, but I also mm -hmm. have smoothies. I also eat fruits and vegetables. Yeah. I also do lots of challenges around health and wellness. So uh -huh. it's not a, I don't know better. Uh -huh. It's an in the moment what happened in that moment that made me choose what I chose in that moment. Right, right. And it get there with the Yeah. Yeah. And um <laughs> so <laughs> I was not, that might be a loaded question. I mean it, no, it, no. I mean it's it's not that it's a loaded question, but everything is a process, right? And it's not that quick. And it's like mm -hmm. with weight loss, right? Exactly right. To that point. It takes time. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to happen overnight. And if it does happen overnight, then you're going to gain it back very quickly. Mm -hmm. True, right? true. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, 
Yeah. Cause you know, we've all been on those crash diets where we lose 10 pounds in a week. And then, you know, the following week we've gained 15 pounds or, you're you know, standing, by the end you're of the standing doing the Jenny Craig pose. I yeah. lost 10 pounds. <laughs> and next week you're like, oh, where are my pants? I can't right. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, with this work, it's kind of the same. Um, it's the same thing. You know, I run a program that really helps people to get into their subconscious and we deal a lot with the the triggers that got us to, got us our attachment styles mm. and when we deal with what those are you know how did we end up with this attachment style right and obviously it all goes back to childhood stuff mm-hmm. um then we can really start to address what's the issue mm-hmm. because you feel you know as an anxious person like and in my process of dating these people and um, uh, having these failed relationships, right? What I was noticing was that I, I would start to date someone and I would really like them and they seemed to kind of like me and then things would fall off for whatever reason. And I was left with this like feeling, you know? And then I was thinking, mm-hmm. I'm in love with this guy, I'm in love with this guy. Next guy comes along. I'm in love with this guy. I'm in love with this guy. Feelings the same. Next guy comes along. I'm in love with this guy. I'm in love with this guy. Feelings the same, right? And so what I started to realize, even before I knew anything about attachment style, was right. it was an insert guy, any guy here type of situation. Right, right, right. It had nothing to, you know, it didn't matter. I wasn't in love with him. It was this feeling that I was having. You know, I kept having this feeling over and over. And, you know, they do ask you in therapy or in meditation, I don't even remember at this point a lot of times, when was the first time you felt this? And I'm like, I, I don't know when the first time I felt this was. Many moons ago, does that count as a response, right? I don't know, yeah. But, you know, with the work that I do, we dig deep enough and I have discovered like exactly where that, you know, when I did feel it, you know, I was seven years old sitting on the stairs waiting for my mom to come home, you know? every day and she didn't call and she didn't you know their cell phones were you know back back in the day I'm not going to age there were, myself there were no cell phones like, you're on well, your there, own yeah, I, I, I about I, that with my friends yeah, yeah. often you would if you didn't couldn't get your mom at work you're on your own that was it it was either she was home yeah. or work right that's it yeah 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 um, you know, and the cell, I mean, she did have one of those big fat box cell phones, but you know, they weren't reliable, right? And, right. You know, whatever. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we dig down and we figure out where that, you know, what that pain point is, where it's coming from, and then uh, process and reprogram it. And mm. then you can live a little freer, you know, because you're not holding on to that wound anymore. And that is really, um, the magic is in really like feeling that pain, which a lot of people, that's what a lot of people are protecting themselves from Yeah. in dating, right? Without even realizing it, right? We're just all unconsciously trying to protect ourselves, you know, um, from- It's an interesting thing because another sort of oxymoron, you're, uh-huh. you're, you almost pick or attract the person that is most likely to produce that response that you then protect yourself from feeling because your your body your your sub your subconscious remembers that it sucked 
it sucked to be dating somebody who is unavailable. It sucked to be dating someone who's physically abusive. And yet we sent to gravitate. And I know there's lots of psychological talk about it's a, the reason for that is to heal those wounds specifically, like you're trying to do that. Uh-huh. But it's, it's such an interesting um, well, you know, paradigm, it, you know? It, it's, that is true. And what is also true is that your subconscious is comfortable with the familiar. Yes, yes. It so knows how to deal with exactly. the abuser, the, the avoiding person, the unavailable person. Um, it knows how to deal with those people. And so it's yeah. most comfortable putting you in that scenario because you know what to do. Right. It'll guide you through what to do. Right. And it's most afraid of the unknown. Yeah. More afraid and, of the unknown than anything right. else that was horrible that is known. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Another exactly. kind of weird oxymoron. It's uh-huh. like, wait a minute. You'd rather be in the uh-huh. same awful relationship that you had as a kid in your marriage than actually take a chance on being with somebody who's really healthy. But when you think about your subconscious and how we're wired, yeah, because- uh-huh those relationships are safe because they're known and your subconscious, your body is programmed for safety, not success. And so, yeah, that unknown is so, I might be more successful or I might completely crash and burn. Let's just stay over here with what we know, even though we know this is probably not going to go like we want it to, but at least we know how to cope with that. We can cope. Right. We we have the coping mechanisms for that and yeah. we know how to deal with it. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Well, we know we're going to be okay because we're okay now, right? Right, right, yeah. right. That's well, this, but so this is okay. You know, we're okay. The problem is that that okay, that subconscious okay yeah. is like a lot of times down here. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not a good okay. It's not yeah, a healthy yeah. okay, yeah. it's not a healthy yeah. okay. <laughs> it's it's uh, di- what I call de minimis. It's the least of us, the least of where we could right. be because it's the easiest place for us to go to because it's the safest place for us. Exactly, exactly, yeah. 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 So, so how do we, um, there's obviously a process and you know, certainly we're not gonna cover all that here. It mm-hmm. sounds like it's, it, it's involved and that's actually given that you were parented for mm-hmm. multiple years by people, it's highly doubtful that in a you know, 42 minute conversation that we're gonna undo it. But mm-hmm. I would love to hear like, where could someone get started with even beginning that process of being, you know, understanding their attachment style and then what might be a first step? Well, you definitely want to read the book Attached because um, that's by Amir Levine. Um, Mm -hmm. That book is the kind of premier book that linked the attachment theory with adult relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives you the basis um, of all of this information and it's really enlightening. Um, and then after that- I'll look that up, Amir. Levine. I will, I will, I will drop it in the comments for- Yeah, definitely. Watching. Yes. Yeah, it's a really, um, it's a really important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can come and work with me. I mean, what yeah. else would you do? <laughs> What else would you do? Right, right, right. And so for those people that want to come and work with you, yeah. I know, um, and I'm going to drop all this in our links. In there, and I did it also. There's, you have an attachment style quiz yes. on your webpage, which I highly recommend that everybody take. I took the, the attachment style quiz. I was actually kind of surprised by it. Not, not surprised bad, surprised yeah. good. I have a secure attachment style. Um, but, but, well, well, and not, but, but I was, I was answering the questions and I guess this was interesting, like how my mind works. 
is I was looking for sort of this, um, I was kind of thinking, you know, I was like, oh, sometimes, and I'm like, these sometimes answers are really going to get me in trouble. And I, but I remember thinking, well, wait a minute, but that's, I, I remember a couple of them. I'm like, I'm like, it's, it's not true. You do it sometimes. Uh -huh. And I think that's right. Nobody could No, you're not like I had put like always on one. And I was like, you don't do that always, you know, mm -hmm. you, you do it sometimes. And then I thought, yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, uh -huh. I guess when I get dinged, I'll take, I'll take my lumps for wherever it comes up. <laughs> but I remember thinking that, but it's an interesting thing um, because I always on a lot of like my goal in life is, uh -huh. is harmony. And right. so a lot of my tests show up harmonious because, mm -hmm. and, but not when is you said attachment styles develop for the first three years of your life right that's when you kind of for the most part i mean they can change by the way through life like especially if there's major trauma divorce like big life things that happen like toxic relationships your attachment style can change um but typically it's developed in the first yeah three years the first three so interestingly enough my my parents are divorced first of all i come from a long line of people being divorced so it's in my mm -hmm. dna <laughs> we my sister and i were joking about this and i was like yeah and we we may not get it right on the first but we do get it right on the second all right but mm -hmm. having said that the first three years i think say the first five uh -huh. i uh, i have uh some memories of my you know just flashes but i know felt loved and there's mm -hmm. lots of pictures to prove it. Like that mm -hmm. was their best time where they mm -hmm. were probably the most in sync. Then mm -hmm. my parents had the absolute worst tumultuous relationship uh -huh. from the time I was like maybe six-ish, seven-ish, seven mm -hmm. uh -huh. all through college. It was awful. So it's interesting when you said the first three years, I was like, well, maybe that's why. Because at that time it was balanced. They were right. loved. They were open. Mm -hmm. My father was available. He played uh -huh. with me. My mother was happy. She, everybody uh -huh. was healthy. And then after that, it was just like, you guys are out there. Like yeah. <laughs> they fought all the time. Uh -huh. And so when I was answering the questions, I just kept thinking, this is going to come out. It'll be interesting to see what this is like, because I'm like, I can, I can, I'm looking at the, you know, having Dennis looking at me like, I can tell this is going somewhere, but uh -huh. I'm going to see what it's going. And I was kind of surprised, even the places I put, okay. Yeah, that's definitely. Uh -huh. Right. 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 <laughs> or other places I put, yeah, that's definitely me. Rarely. Uh -huh. I was really kind of surprised um, uh -huh. that it came out that way, but I yeah. mean, it's a good thing. I mean, uh, you know, this, it's not a fixed thing all the time also just right. by the way like especially if you're um you know if you're in feeling in a good place you might get a secure outcome if you're feeling like a little bit insecure you're in a relationship somebody's not calling you back you're extra anxious about it you know you that. might get a different result um and so it does change based on that it's not like a perfect test it's also self-reported right so there's right. no there's you, no not, you don't have another feedback loop with other how you're actually occurring to other people right nobody's got like you know those those things on you and like is measuring right. your attachment <laughs> style and telling yeah. you this yeah. is yeah. you know scientifically but um what i will say about attachment styles different from love languages mm -hmm. is that the attachment style conversation because it's based in um childhood attachment theory it's a very, very well-reviewed, well-supported um, science. It's a real psychological science. It's not something that is kind of, you know, uh, 
it's not pop psychology. It's real right, deal right, right. psychology, you know? That makes sense. And actually, thank you for making that distinction because um, one of the things I heard somebody was going to do on Clubhouse was love languages, not a versus, but and how to marry that with attachments. I didn't, oh, interesting. I didn't okay. end up going to the room. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I thought it would be a great room. I just didn't, yeah. I didn't end up going. But there I thought are, it was interesting because yeah. uh -huh. now love languages is so mainstream, which is interesting because, you know, I don't know, when I first read the book, what, I don't know, how long did it come out? Like many years like ago. 10 years ago. Like, yeah, the, the, it, you, you would go on a date and it would be almost like, you know, us women, we're like, I'm trying to figure out this guy's love language. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get guys asking me all the time uh -huh. or like putting it in or trying to guess my love language because uh -huh. it's so prevalent. And I, I uh -huh. find that interesting uh -huh. that, that even now the men are like into it. And I don't, you know, it just, right. it's just an interesting thing. So I do believe that love languages has a place and I don't think that it's off the mark. Um, mm -hmm. It's just it, like it, in, it's not psycho, it's not a psychological, it doesn't have psychological basis, but it right. is, there is accuracy there. And I think it is important because it does teach us that like, you know, some people really do show love with like acts of service, for example, but they're not the most uh, verbal right? They don't necessarily right. say all the nice things and, you know, aren't necessarily like saying all the things that you want to hear, but then they'll, you know, show up and wash your car or like, you know, show up and fix stuff around the house and, you know, do those kinds of things. And so, you know, yet you're still sitting there being like, but why didn't he say that he likes me? Right. You know? <laughs> you, you, and that's because that you need those words of affirmation. But right. He doesn't. Right. He doesn't yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah, he exactly. You have, you, have you heard of the language of apology? No, I, I, I read a book on that too. Uh -huh. And I, I, and I always think of that because I think uh -huh. of my mom and my stepdad uh -huh. and my mother said, I don't think, I think they've been married almost now 20 years. He's ever said he's sorry. However, mm -hmm. I do know when he's apologizing because he cooks for me mm -hmm. and he says, I'd like you to taste something and he feeds me. And that mm -hmm. is his, I'm sorry. Okay. It That's is the, interesting. the beginning of an, uh -huh. of an, I'm sorry. She goes, but I don't know uh -huh. that I've ever heard him say, I'm really sorry for what I said, what I did, what is happening. Right. Anything. He, uh -huh. his, his love language is acts of service. So it's also his language of apology. If he's apologizing in any way, he uses acts of service to do it. So he never says it as just, it's just an interesting thing, but there's a whole yeah. language of apology. And I think uh -huh. I, I saw it, um, it's either on YouTube. It's another pop psychology thing. Yeah. There was uh -huh. a book and I think I, I read up on that too, which is, just fascinating. So, yeah. so, and I, I, not to derail us from that. No, I, no, no. I, I, mean, I, think, it's, I think it's really uh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what, what do you do now? Cause you know, everybody's going to run out, take their attachment style and go, <laughs> who should I be dating? Like, should I be looking for, you know, how do you use it in the dating arena? Like, how is it useful to you? What, what, how do you apply this information? Cause now everybody's got so much, so many insights about themselves. Uh -huh love languages, language of apology, Myers-Briggs, uh, what is it, DISC method, behavioral style. And, and we're still all a mess. And we're that? still, like, <laughs> I've got 27,000 assessments. And, oh, I, I saw uh, how do you seduce, there's another one, how do you seduce men, your seductive uh, archetype. Uh, I mean, there's mm -hmm. all kinds of- what mine is. <laughs> I, I'll send you, it's a really, it's a really interesting, there's a couple of them. They're all very interesting, I know, right? 
there's a bunch there, of quizzes there. There's tons of them. They're all yeah. very interesting. But so so what or so now what? Right? What do we do with with this information with attachment styles? How do I use that to engage? Like what what is what is the best way for me to utilize that? I mean, now I know myself. What am I looking for in a guy to compliment, or how do I figure that out for him? What do I do with that? So with the attachment styles, um, the most the the most coveted person to date is always going to be somebody secure. Mm-hmm. So the secure person knows is comfortable to give the anxious person more attention. It doesn't take anything out of them or away from them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't scare them. It doesn't frighten them to, oh, you need some more attention. Okay, sure. You want me to call you more? You want me to text more? I care about you. Of course I will. Mm-hmm. Um, and with an avoidant person, oh, you need more space? No problem. I'm secure. So I'm happy to give you space. It doesn't mean that you don't like me. It just I hear you. You're telling me you need space. No problem. Um, the problem happens when the insecure attachment styles date and the insecure attachment styles often date. And that is your trauma bonding. And that is your, um, you know, that is where a lot of the problems come in because um, besides the fact that there's those initial dating things where the like anxious person, let's say the anxious and the avoidant person gets together. And that's really like the, the major like sparky, Mm -hmm thing where they can have very, very strong chemistry because yes. they ignite in each other um, uh, their view, their subconscious views of the world, right? Like the, the anxious person is used to inconsistent mm-hmm. attention, right? And what does the avoidant person do? Inconsistent attention. <laughs> They're very, oh, yeah, you know, they can, yeah. they can be very charming and wonderful, but as soon as you want to get a little close, they run away, right? So right. It causes the anxious person to get more interested and then mm-hmm. pushes that person further away. The anxious person maybe gets sad, gives up, then the avoidant person comes back. Then you're in this toxic mess, right? Mm-hmm. Of constant push and pull. Why don't you love me? Leave me alone. But yes, I want to come back and I care about, you know, and you, you're going through this like constant um, thing. And I don't even remember your question at this point, but I just wanted to point out, oh, that, okay, why is it so bad when the, sorry, why is it so bad? No, it's okay. It was, it, was, it was more about how do we, how do we use that to date? So you're going to be out, you're vetting these men, you're trying to figure out who I should be dating. How do I even, you know, I know I'm whatever, avoidant, I'm, you know, secure or uh-huh. um, whatever your attachment, whatever your style is. So now what? I'm sitting across from this guy at dinner. I need to, what do I use that information for? Except like, how do I know what he is or figure out or what am I looking for to make a make an informed decision rather than a, oh my God, this guy is just so wonderful, hot. And I'm in, and chemistry is its own, um, you really bring up a good point because chemistry often is, is probably for many of us trauma bonding, not even real chemistry, right? There's all this sexual attraction, but a lot of that sexual attraction is also the, I wanna be saved, I wanna be, and we think we can do it with this person because we're so, you know, we're simpatico, but you're right, it's our subconscious. It's not actually even 
it's not real. It's not even right. based on real sexual attraction. It's right. based on trauma, something else going back yeah, here. And so exactly you right. think this guy is like, I don't know why he's just so, I, th I, I think I put a meme in my group is like, this guy is, reminds me of my father. I think I like him. And the guy goes, I'm out of here. And he goes, she right. goes, oh, I'm in love. Like, right. And, and, but that happens and, that, and uh -huh. we're not even aware of why we're doing uh -huh. it, but we think it's, I don't know. It's just the way he walked out was so sexy. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. We laugh about it, but it happens all the well, time. It happens all the time. Yeah, and yeah. what you're saying, and I'll, I'll add a little clarity to it is that chemistry is a real thing for, mm -hmm. and it's a good thing for two secure people Yeah, that have healthy modeling of like, emotional attunement from childhood right. so when the two of them fall in love right that subconscious stuff is happening they're recognizing something familiar from childhood and this mm -hmm. other person they're like oh, i don't know it's just this magical experience i just knew the minute i saw her or the minute i saw him and you know and it's truly a magical thing right but when two um insecurely attached people or when an insecure attached person feels that feeling of chemistry mm -hmm. they're also feeling some familiarity from childhood but it's typically unhealthy familiarity yeah, yeah. and that's that trauma bonding that's happening you know um and that's where we're trying to like like we are actually trying to fix uh, these, this trauma via this other person that's sitting across from us or, you know, that we're trying to date. Um, and it often does not go well. And so, so we, like, when I, like, now for that, yeah, I want to get back to your other question, which is, uh, you know, how do you assess another person? So mm -hmm. it's almost impossible to assess another person on a date. It, you only know somebody's, somebody's attachment style is based on pattern. Right. So you wouldn't know that on a first date or a second okay. date, you know, um, it would only be something that would come up over like some time and you seeing what they're like over time and how are they reacting and are they, um, you know, consistent in communication or are they inconsistent? Are they hot and cold? Are they, you know, and all these kind of like small things that we've talked about. You can also ask them to take a quiz. Mm -hmm. That's that's helpful. Always, always go direct. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah. I always say you got a summer and winter with somebody like you really have to, you really have to, we, we, we've got, I think we're getting back to it because of COVID, but uh -huh. you have to allow yourself to, to be courted and to right. court, to yeah. be engaged in the knowing of another human being yeah. rather than the driving of an outcome. We're right. all in masculine mode so much. I want to produce the result of relationship. Mm -hmm. And we want to do it in the shortest, most efficient, effective way possible. And so the goal is I'm going to date 30 guys for 30 days and pick one and mm -hmm. attach to him and right. whatever mm -hmm. I'm going to do. And I'm going to have a boyfriend in six months right. or whatever uh -huh. that right yeah. for most of us because we're driving for a result. Uh -huh. And I'm not, I'm not saying don't go for the results. I'm saying in your process, allow space for process. Right. Like be in the process. People want to just accomplish the results. Yeah. I, we went out three times. He likes me. I like him. Check the box. We are now together. And that's the end of it. Take some time to get to know him. How do you know that? Like people don't spend enough time to do this. Somebody else was saying that. I don't remember. I read it on some other um, mm -hmm. somewhere. Some other psychologist was saying it's, mm -hmm. it's such a rush to the finish line. 
you don't uh-huh. even know what you're getting or who you're getting in the mix. No. All just rush to get that title and a date on national yeah. holidays that we don't spend the time to actually know who we're dating on this national holiday. I mean, you've got this guy or woman all in your Christmas life, mm-hmm. meeting your family, yeah. meeting your friends, you're taking them all uh-huh. around and you've known them for less than 30 days, telling everybody this is your new boo and, you know. Yeah. 45 yeah, days pretty- later, it's done. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like over. He was a crazy person, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, well, that's part of the, you know, it's part of the, you know, you're mitigating getting hurt again, right? Like it's, a, this is everything that we do is like mitigating pain. We just don't want to get hurt. We just don't want to be in pain. So we want everything to be good. So we drive it towards good. Even if it's bad, we ignore the bad ignore the red flags we you know just kind of like oh but but this was good but you know and it gets smaller and smaller right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. oh he was he was so attentive and he was so like he was calling all the time and he was planning all the dates and oh well I planned this date oh well you know I called him three times and he didn't call me back oh you know and it gets smaller and smaller but you're still back here with this fantasy of what you know what you started rather than being in the reality of what is yes and recognizing that this is not you know this is not a good good thing you know or that he's treating you differently now or you're learning something new about him but you don't even want to see that lesson no right because you're so like you want to be here right and in your mind you're 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 in your mind you are there that's where you live right whatever was happening in the beginning and not now (laughs) and and yeah and that's that's a piece of it. When we, when you rush to try to attain a result, it's kind of like uh, eating ice cream. You don't buy ice cream and then shove the whole thing in your mouth. You like lick the cone and like you savor it, right? What you eat, what you do. <laughs> no, okay. right? right. But you lick, you lick the cone, you savor the flavor, you, you, you know, or you, you use the, the, the spoon, you get toppings, right, right. sprinkles, uh-huh. you add little things, you savor uh-huh. it. And then you sit back what you, you're once you the result of I've eaten the ice cream is done. You go, uh-huh. I really enjoyed that. Or that wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be, but there's a space there for you to like evaluate. Uh-huh. We're like, oh, I'm just going to shove it all in my mouth and, right. eat it and you're off to the next uh-huh. thing. You miss so much richness and goodness. And if you use ice cream as a metaphor, you miss all the deliciousness. Like there's yeah. something about the way the ice cream melts on your tongue, the sweetness of it, or the tang, the fruit, the nuts, right. the toppings, the, uh-huh. everything. And you're missing all that if you're just shoving the whole thing in your mouth and moving on with your with your life. So. Um, yeah. What, what, what would you say are your top, you know, one or two things we could, you know, do with attachment styles like today to support us one, um, in moving toward the next level, we could take the quiz. Once you Uh have the information, what would be Uh your first next step? And then what would be the big thing that we could do? One thing we could do on a date or in the process that would really kind of give us a glimpse into that person. Um, so what's one thing you can do, um, once you learn your, once you learn your attachment style, then you have to start like practicing the opposite of what's comfortable for you. Mm. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's like a really big thing for anxious people. It might be look something like stop dating because more than likely the anxious person is 
constantly dating, you know, mm-hmm. constantly. I know that person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not comfortable being alone, you know, yeah. constantly. I know like, a couple of those yeah, people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah. that might be, I mean, that might be a big step, right? You could take smaller steps to start, but, you know, spending time alone is really important. Learning to date yourself, um, you know, and all of this stuff, like it's said, it said, it's kind of sounds cheesy, easier said than done kind of stuff, but it's, um, that's why the subconscious work is so important because it, I can tell you to do that, right? Mm-hmm. But you won't do it and you won't believe it um, until you've done the subconscious uh, mm-hmm. side of it. So that is why that part of it is really important, you know? Um, and then for an avoidant person on the other side, it, it's, you know, go on more dates. It's, um, you know, start to be vulnerable with the people you're comfortable, that you can be vulnerable with because, you know, um, avoidant people have like really hard time with vulnerability, Mm -hmm. right? So start expressing yourself um, in ways and places that you wouldn't normally, right? And that can be very small. It could be in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. It could be um, with, you know, somebody, a good friend that you feel comfortable with uh, or, and then, you know, eventually extends that to dates. But again, these are all really kind of surfacey right. things because if the work underneath isn't done, then you might try it once, fail, and then retract completely, you know? Right. The real work that you should be doing with attachment styles um, is to find a professional to work with. Flora is available. She's got a program that actually specializes in this and you guys should really, really check it out. I'll be putting that in the links in, at, in the end of this because this is not something you're going to be running out to be vulnerable with or running out to stop dating like even if you to your point you tried it once or twice it's not the kind of behavior that would stick because it will feel counterintuitive unnatural uncomfortable even downright fearful fearful or trigger your avoidant or anxiety mechanism to make you just go back to doing what you've been doing because it's so foreign to you exactly you know taking the test is a great first step but you know, I'm a huge advocate of not going it alone when it comes to doing things like this. In particular, I know a lot of ladies will say my picker is off. And I think that's the picker though. That's the place that's off. And if, you know, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And our picker is off because we keep trying to fix our picker ourselves instead of actually getting support, which is what I was talking about, to go through a process. Mm. It's not going to happen overnight, but get with you know, Flora, a professional to go through a process that helps you retrain your picker or get to know your picker or love your picker, however that is, so that you can be the one directing who you want to pick instead of being at the mercy of your subconscious going, get that guy because I know that guy, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, I don't, I don't want that guy. And he's still like, get that guy. And you're like, all right, we're getting that guy. And next right. thing you know, on that same merry-go-round, for the 15th time and you don't understand why and you can, you don't have to do it that way. Right. And then, so what about just in general for dating, like surface level? What if some, some people are like, all right, I'm dating, you know, I feel okay, or I'm a secure attachment style. So uh-huh. what would I do now with this information if I'm in the dating arena? How could I use that to actually be more discerning with my dates? Um, well, <laughs> You want to run for the hills and only date another secure person. 
I'm kidding. I was gonna say, what do we? So I, I already have the advice for secure attached people: stop dating, avoid it. No. Um, no, I mean. It, it depends, you know, every different people are at different levels of their own attachment style. And, it, you know, it's kind of, it, it's very difficult to say. I don't know that I can give one piece of quick advice like that. Um, I'm trying to think of something, but yeah, it's just not coming to me because it, it's not, it's not about, um, finding the right attachment style necessarily, but it is about finding somebody who is open, who understands themselves, who's working on themselves, right? Who can admit when they're wrong. And, you know, you essentially in dating, the one thing that I think is the most important, forget love, love is meaningless in dating, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, What is more important is that you feel safe with the person that you're with. Mm-hmm. And that you can resolve conflict together yeah. in a healthy way. Yeah. You know, that isn't, doesn't destroy, um, you know, isn't destructive, right? To the relationship, to your emotions, to um, that feeling of safety. You said something that was really important. I, I think it's important to highlight is, you know, somebody that you feel safe with, somebody you feel you can talk to, resolve conflict with that, like, um, and, and, and the reason I, I'm, latching onto this is because it is it's we keep wanting to look for I'm I'm my love language is quality time I want a quality time guy right uh-huh. my I I now I know attachment styles I'm going to be vetting for secure attachment because I only want that guy because he's going right. to be okay with my uh-huh. my proclivities right uh now that I know that I'm seductive style this I want a man uh-huh. who appreciates this uh-huh. Like instead of really just looking for someone like it, it actually doesn't matter that your quality time and he's words of affirmation, if you guys can resolve that as an issue, if he can be respectful of the fact that you like quality time and actually give it to you and you can be respectful that he likes words of affirmation and give it to him. That's actually what's really important. It's not actually trying to have this puzzle piece fit together exactly it's it's really about no matter what his attachment style is love language is seduction style is if he likes women tall or short or Mm -hmm. whatever you like can the two of you come together harmoniously really and be appreciative of each other and give each other or meet each other's needs in some way and be willing to do that because so many of us get in a relationship and it's like, well, if he's not going to be a quality time person, I don't even want to be bothered with him. Well, he might be a phenomenal acts of service person and a words of affirmation person. He might not spend as much quality time, but you could have a really great, deep, meaningful, intimate relationship with somebody and you're like throwing him away just because he doesn't want to spend that extra hour and you do. Right. right. We do that a lot. He's not six mm-hmm. feet tall. He's not yeah. yeah. whatever. Uh-huh. And that's, you know, it's, it's not about finding the the, 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 the match in that way. It's about yeah. what you're really compatible with and you guys are willing to work towards creating the that's, kind of relationship you that's want. That's the thing. Yeah. So having somebody that's open, you know, and open to yeah. the conversation and open to working. And we don't get that a lot and we don't know how to mm-hmm. garner that because we're not taught to, you know, and that's part of why I think dating coaching these days is so important because we're not living in that world where there's five people where we can choose from that live in our village that, you know, and that's it. This is all we get. You know, now we have a world, like literally you can date anybody anywhere in the world today. Anybody anywhere. <laughs> 
And that's a lot of sorting and sifting and it's yeah. time consuming. <laughs> if you're looking for like this perfect fit instead of what I always say, the person that's perfect for you. And all that takes is you really being willing to be open and vulnerable and have someone else share in that experience with you, they right. might be vulnerable. But to your earlier point, the first thing you said is we don't know how to do that. Right. We just don't know how to do that well. And that's yeah. part, that's the biggest challenge, whether you know your attachment style or not, whether you know your love language or not, uh -huh. get across the table from somebody and actually be open and vulnerable and show them the real you so that they can actually get to know the real you and you can get to know the real them. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Any final thoughts you have for us um, tonight? Uh -huh. at, um, um, final thoughts. Yeah. Go learn about your attachment style. I mean, it will change your whole, uh, I mean, it changed my life. I, I imagine it will change yours as well. <laughs> um, yeah. This is like yeah. the new hot thing. And, 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 um, and when I first heard about it, I thought this is like really amazing. What is that? And I yeah. kind of briefly Googled it. I was so glad to, that you said, Oh, I talk about it. I'm like, Oh, great. <laughs> like firsthand knowledge of it. Cause it sounded like something that was when you said uh, subconscious, I thought, oh, this is super valuable because that's one of the biggest things that we have trouble with. We don't know why we do the things that we do. Um, and yeah. we still keep doing the things that we do. <laughs> yeah. And that's for me, that was the, the really important link because it's one thing to understand your attachment style. It's another thing to understand that it's a link to your subconscious programming and the way that you function and really... Yeah that is, you know, that is the bigger piece of this, right? Is that when you really start to understand your subconscious and it's not to say that you can control it, right? That's a really important point too, because, um, but when you can understand it and know why you're motivated and what motivated you to take that action or react that way, you know, then you can start to make real adjustments that are really life-changing rather than yeah. just, you know, kind of surface level, um, well, I'm just going to block him because, uh, you know, cause he's a jerk and then I'm going to unblock him the second I get a little like nervous and scared. And then I'm going to block him again because, now <laughs> again. and then I'm going to unblock him again. Right. Like, we right, right. Is, you know, and the whole, the whole thing is to transform that. And you only, you can only transform that from the inside out. It won't happen, you know, from the outside in so easily. Yeah. I totally agree. I want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much thank for coming you. here tonight, <laughs> dropping some gems, some wisdom for us. I will drop your website. Um, I will drop the quiz um, uh, into um, the, the, uh, the Facebook group in the comments awesome. um, and certainly refer people to you to talk about this. Um, and I'd love to have people maybe after we could even do a quiz and do a talk about people's results and answer, do some Q and a too. I think yeah. it, it's really it's a valuable information for us to know how we work. So we know how we work when we're in the exactly. arena. And I think that that is really personally speaking priceless. When you know who you are, yeah. when you get to own who you are and share who you are with whomever you choose and they get to love you for who you are. And if they don't, you get to be okay with that too. So that's, yeah, yeah that's the important part. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you thank so much you for so being much here. I'll drop me. your comments into, I'll drop your information into the, into the um, comment section of the, of the show. Okay. And thank you again. And we'll have to have you back soon. Yes, I will definitely come. All right. Thank you. Thank you so it much. Awesome. Have a good night. Have a good evening. Everyone. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Wasn't Flora amazing? What an absolute joy it was to bring you this content today. 
what I loved about this conversation was her transparency and just sharing her own story uh, with respect to attachment styles, that it's not just about trying to get over it or get better. It's about making peace with it and like embracing where you are with your own attachment style and being aware of that as you move forward in relationship. Um, I really love that. Um, I also love the fact uh, that attachment styles are like the new, uh, better, improved, more telling version of love languages. It's great if you can get someone to love you in your own love language, but if you're attached to the wrong person, it's not really helpful. No matter how much they love you and speak your language, the way in which you attach is not healthy. It's going to be toxic. And I thought that was just brilliant to kind of shine some light on that and the fact that attachment styles is really a very scientific based um, assessment and love languages. While there's a lot of anecdotal information to support it, it's not really based in the science. And finally, the best part about this conversation was because I was actually having it with Flora. It forced me to take the test to get my own attachment style. Um, and find out what that was for me. So now I have a different level of learning how I engage with men. Really, really phenomenal conversation. Uh, so glad you stuck around till the end of the story. Hopefully you plan on implementing this knowledge in your own life. I certainly plan on using this as I move forward in dating and relationships, learning um, how I attach, and certainly uh, trying to find out my potential partner's attachment style. So I deeply appreciate your listening. I know you got one or two royal gems from our conversation today. If you like this podcast, I would feel honored and greatly appreciate it if you took the time to leave a review or share this with a friend. Um, better still, share this out with people you think would benefit from the information and tag me on your post. Obviously, my goal is to free the queen and all of you so we redefine family in the aftermath of divorce. And remember, it's never too late to find your fears. So stick around to the end of the story.